1: Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to talk about how the U.S. Department of Education is trying to rewrite Title IX and its impact on all of us. We're also going to talk about radical new laws that are being pushed in states, particularly the blue states, and what we need to be watching out for. Uh, But before we do that, I'd first like to talk to our attorney in Nevada, uh, about some other really important pressing issues that are facing she's facing there uh, as well as issues that are facing the, the rest of us. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the show now PJI attorney uh, Emily Mimna. Welcome to the show, Emily.
2: Hi. Thank you, Brad.
1: So, Emily, um, you're dealing with, you know, obviously litigation and, and cases, uh, you know, involving uh, Nevada, but uh, also you're involved in uh, dealing with uh, you know the 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 bill to basically license criminal abortionists I, I, I stress criminal abortionists it that, that's what we're talking about here is licensing criminal abortionists uh, am I conveying that correctly is, is that accurate
2: it, it is accurate and it, it is shocking here in Nevada we have a very compressed legislative season that only happens once every two years and unfortunately they some politicians try to ram through what I consider to be wildly outrageous bills because of this compressed timeline. Fortunately, PJI pays close attention with our sister organization, that's 501C4, and one of those bills is SB131. And as you correctly characterize, Brad, it is a bill that wants Nevada to license uh, health care practitioners, physicians, and others who have been convicted or disciplined or otherwise... Um, reprimanded for engaging in criminal conduct. They, they want to license those individuals to come to Nevada. So basically, they want women and families to be treated by the criminal castoffs from other states. You know, Texas won't have them. Utah won't have them. But come on down to Nevada. It's just fine.
1: Wow. I mean, what, what happened to protecting women? I mean, this isn't about protecting women. This is, this is protecting criminals who may be uh, doing hideous things uh, that may hurt and victimize women, as far as that uh, you know, as far as that goes. Now, what can you tell us about Pacific Justice Institute and the, and the legislative process? Because maybe you'll see us as you know engaging in litigation. We've got over 150 cases in active litigation in more than uh, you know 30 offices and 24 states. But there's this other element that we're engaged in, which is dealing with legislation. How how does that work?
2: Right. That's- that's a great question. So, as you point out, PJI—you know—we litigate. I didn't get over. I think you said 100 cases actively going. Um, and so, you know, we go on the defensive, we go on the offensive to bring lawsuits to protect rights that are being trampled uh, or threatened. But we also have a PJI Center for Public Policy, which is able to also act proactively and get involved in the legislative process. And there, we have attorneys like me, and I know you just testified in Texas. Um, who I can actually get before the legislature and, you know, stop bad bills like this bill from happening or testify in support of great bills that are going to help wonderful things happen in our states. And so in this case, I testified in opposition, of course, to this dangerous, truly dangerous bill. Uh, and so that, that's a way in which people can also reach out to us. And, you know, if you see something that needs to be opposed or should be supported, it's another way that PGICPP can get involved and help your state.
1: Yeah, n- no organization in the country has what we have in terms of our big ground game, our big footprint. I mean, offices in 24 states uh, ready to go toe-to-toe to help uh, legislation, bills, test- testify, uh, to support positive bills for in positive ways. We're going to talk about something really exciting later on. I know when it came out of Texas. But uh, this is uh, – and then also, of course, to oppose – evil, bad legislation like you're talking about. This is SB 131. This is a genuinely uh, dangerous bill that wants Nevada to license and employ as medical professionals criminal cast-offs from other states. I mean, uh, that's basically what we're talking about here, right?
2: It it, it is. It Literally, this bill wants to prohibit, ban, stop our state licensing board from even considering These past criminal actions, if so, so, so if the, you know, the abortion that you performed in Texas was a crime, if you did a nine month late term abortion and it was criminal and you were convicted or you were prosecuted or you were disciplined and you come to Nevada and say, hey, I want to practice, I'm going to set up shop here. Our medical licensing board under this bill would not even be allowed to consider the fact that you had engaged in criminal activity in the so-called treatment of, you know, female patients in the past. We can't even consider it. And so then you're going to license, stamp, and approve this so-called healthcare professional to, you know, theoretically be a physician to your child or yourself or your spouse. It's 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 simply outrageous. It's outrageous.
1: Yeah, it it is, especially if you care at all about health and safety. I mean, who'd want to license someone that engaged in criminal conduct in another state? I mean, even if it's legal in Nevada to do X, Y, and Z, if they did it. In another state that, where it was clearly illegal, that shows that this person has a, has a character issue, a, a moral turpitude issue that could result in them compromising in some other way. So it, this is really uh, unusual that, that they would uh, allow such criminal perpetrators, uh, you know, criminal actions like this, to just you know, be swept aside and allow these people to come in and surgically operate on women um, which could be to their peril. Now, doesn't Nevada also, right now, aren't they also uh, considering a constitutional amendment that would, in essence, enshrine abortion all the way up through the ninth month to the, the moment the baby's born? Is that correct?
2: That, that is correct. And, and folks may recall, we were talking about this, this last week, and that's SJR7, which I also testified against, and I also submitted a written testimony in opposition there, too. So we are, we are on it. Um, but right now Nevada is looking to amend the state constitution, which would as you point out Brad, legally authorize, allow and endorse at a constitutional level abortions through to the ninth month. And again with in conjunction with this bill, what it says is if you are a doctor in Utah in Texas and you, you know, as you point out, Brad, have a character problem and you disregard the laws of your state, you perform illegal abortions, come on down to Nevada because that would have been legal here and we're going to license you and approve you and hold you out to the public as though you were a reputable, trustworthy doctor, when obviously you are not.
1: So isn't the point of a medical uh, licensing board uh, to respect the uh, professional medical judgment uh, of the board and... You know, why ban them from even considering criminal acts of an applicant? I, what, what's, what's going on here? What's their motivation?
2: It, I think it is clearly placing politics over the health and safety of women and children. It, I, I don't – I really – and this is something I said to the committee I was testifying before. How can you justify prohibiting a professional medical board from exercising their judgment, the entire reason they exist, you saying you cannot consider facts and circumstances. You can't even look at their past criminal behavior if they acted as a criminal in furtherance of abortion. It clearly is placing the performance of abortions over even basic, fundamental safety of women and children. It is it's truly, um, obviously, political. And I think it reveals how little these legislators actually care about the health and safety of women and children.
1: So... This is negative legislation. We're weighing in on it heavily. I'm so glad you're there. Uh, I know you're very much appreciated by those who want to have someone who has a strong legal constitutional background. Um, The average activist doesn't have that. They can complain and they can mobilize. But at the end of the day, especially when you have a a legislature that's not friendly, what we've noticed like in California, uh, what often stops it is simply a letter, an analysis from Pacific Justice saying this is not constitutional or this violates the state constitution or the U.S. Constitution or the, the federal statutes or something like that to try to wake them up and prevent them from going down a, a, a very dark direction. But we also get involved in some positive legislation, and I know we were recently impo- involved in some, uh, some potentially good lawmaking in the state of Texas.
2: That's that's right. Texas, unlike, um, unfortunately, Nevada's legislature, is looking to the Supreme Court of the United States and follow, you know, and really following their lead and saying, you know, as a state, we respect and appreciate the guidance of the Supreme Court. And as I think we've talked about on the show previously, there was a great case that came out recently, the Coach Kennedy case about the football coach at a high school, public high school, who wanted to engage in, you know, simple prayer. Uh, during a, it, it, not you know as part of his coaching, but as as his personal devotion, and the Supreme Court recognized the fact that even in a public school, you, teachers and coaches have a right to engage in in religious activity that 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 is protected under the Constitution and so it, they looked at the history and the tradition of America, and based on that analysis, they said, you know religion is not banned <laughs> it, it's a little bit sad you need the Supreme Court to tell us this, but religion is not banned. Christian practices are not banned from public schools. We simply ask that the public school do not endorse a specific, you know, any specific sect or religious belief or practice. And so as part of that, Texas is saying we want to respect and honor American traditions. And so they're putting forward legislation to, to help promote that.
1: Yeah. It's, um, I think it's, 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 it's positive. It's, it's moving in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I know this, uh, you know, Ten Commandments bill uh, that's coming come out of, of the state of Texas. I uh, flew out and I testified in favor of that legislation. The education committee passed it in the state senate where I testified. The state senate passed it. Uh, then the uh, state uh, education committee in the house passed it. Now it's pending for the state house in the state of Texas. I think it's going to go through. And basically, what it's going to do is it's going to require that. Every public school classroom in the state of Texas, and people aren't going to believe this when I say it, because they're going to say, what? But every classroom in the state of Texas will have to have posted the Ten Commandments. And people say, well, wait if it's not constitutional. Well, along with this is legislation that would also require next to it to be the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution uh, to basically show the origin and foundations of western law. Meantime, I know we're actively engaged across the country uh, helping states uh, do the right thing and helping them along the way, uh, maybe even to defend the right thing if if it comes down to that. Emily, I appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, How can people keep up with uh, with, uh, the work of Pacific Justice Institute?
2: Well, always you can just go to pji.org And reach out. There's an easy tab button here. You can request a speaker. You can get direct help, submit your questions. There's even live chat now, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I I know I I recently guest spoke, guest preached in uh, uh, Missouri, and uh, it was great. St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and uh, that was uh, fantastic. And uh, we have other attorneys across the country who are willing to come and speak to different groups. So they can sign up to get our press releases, our case updates, uh, look at our resources. So I encourage people to go to our website, pji.org. And, you know, if, you're not, if you don't have your computer with you right now, you're just listening to this on your cell phone or, uh, or otherwise uh, radio or, uh, you know, or just are listening to it, uh, you feel free. You could also p- uh, text PJI to the number 71541. So you can text, just start with the three initials, PJI to the number 71541. That's how I remember it. You can come up with your own mnemonics. But 71541, just text PJI to that number, and that'll get you started on uh, keeping up with what we're doing and our resources to help you down the road. Uh, We do all our work without charge. Uh, Emily, thank you very much. Keep up the great work. Uh, It's very much appreciated.
0: Did you know that PJI preserves students' rights to share their faith and protects them from indoctrination. We also provide free resources to help promote evangelism within the public schools and educational resources to give parents legal advice for choosing an alternative to public education. Keep current on the educational landscape by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report.
1: Welcome back. I now like to join to, to the program uh, Pacific Justice Institute attorney, uh, Catherine Hartley. Welcome to the show, Catherine.
3: Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, it's great to have you on the program. Now, uh, you're dealing with an issue, and I want you to help explain this issue that, uh, that America is facing. Uh, it's not just in Idaho. It's really actually across the country. Uh, dealing with the U.S. Department of Education trying to illegally rewrite Title IX. So first, what is what is Title IX? And so people can understand how radical this action is by the Biden administration through the US Department of Education.
3: Yes, Brad, Title IX is a federal law that was passed uh, by Congress in the 1970s, which was enacted to prevent sex-based discrimination in education settings. And most people are familiar most familiar with Title IX as it relates to sports, and it, it certainly allowed women's sports to flourish more. but it applies to every aspect of, of, of education.
1: Okay, so this was passed because they looked at sports and athletic programs, and they discovered that a lot of schools and universities, they, they had uh, you know, boys, football, boys basketball, boys this, that, but the girls, to compete, they would have to compete with the boys. And the reality is, boys have an advantage, like nearly 10 times the testosterone advantage uh, over, over women in terms of a lot of these sports that are come down to just muscle and muscle development and muscular skeletal structure. So it was a major disadvantage uh, for women to, to participate. They said, hey, this isn't right. Uh, Females should have the same opportunity to compete in sports, enjoy sports, and reach their fullest potential and compete accordingly. So they passed Title IX. That was the purpose, to protect women's sports. Okay, so what has the administration done that literally turns this on its head 180 degrees?
3: exactly like you said we now have the complete opposite effect going on so the the federal department of education has proposed a rule change to title IX that would allow males to compete on female sports teams and this this rule is has obviously numerous problems but it's also a direct assault on the states for example like my state of idaho that are trying to pass laws to prevent this, to actually pass laws to protect women and girls in sports. And so what's happening here is that the Department of Education is going to essentially threaten their federal monies you know, that these schools receive if they do not allow transgender students to compete on, on you know, female sports teams. And, and they even go as far to say within their reasoning that this is in direct response to states like Idaho, like other states who are trying to pass laws to protect women and girls. And it's, it's very, very problematic, Brad.
1: Okay, so uh, you have a state like Idaho uh, and states like that that are passing laws to protect women from having to compete to allow biological males to come and compete in the women's sports and win all the trophies and medals right so you have states like idaho trying to do that and we've already seen this happen right uh you know we've got the swimming competition we've got uh weightlifting competitions where women are just getting just losing uh in these competitions top the top best women losing to guys who competed in the men's and didn't get anywhere so it's, it's very real. Idaho's dealing with it. Well, so what happens if Idaho passes this into law and the Biden administration through the Department of Education comes down with this, these definitive rules saying, uh, no, you have to allow biological males uh, who presumably have gender identity dysphoria, mental condition, you have to allow them to compete with women no matter what the biological advantage, no matter what the hormonal difference, no matter what, if there's any no change at all in their body parts. What, what, what happens to, in that scenario? Has that been tested?
3: No, and, and Idaho actually has passed, they passed in 2020, a law that would protect women and girls in this exact scenario, and it is now tied up in federal court. But it's, a, it's very problematic. You know, Even if, if Idaho prevails in federal court with this action, You know, these schools are going to have potentially their funding ripped from them because they're not allowing these 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 transgender students to compete on on female teams. And it's it's problematic. And you mentioned fairness, Brad, but it's also a safety issue. These, you know, women can get hurt. Girls can get hurt. Not to mention the other privacy concerns involved with locker rooms and bathrooms and just being on the same team as biological males. And it's just heartbreaking for our girls that are growing up, and they're gonna they're gonna be dealing with this.
1: Yeah, it's it's traumatic. I mean, just imagine you know some girl, she's worked all her life, she's to compete and to develop, to be the best in a, in a sport, say swimming, for example, and she works hard and she wants to get a scholarship, perhaps earn a scholarship to go to a university. I mean, this is real. You know, not just a, a medal, we're talking about uh, financial distress. And mm-hmm. they're suddenly competing against Bubba or whoever, you know, that has a clear advantage, has the body of a male, looks like a male, sounds like a male, is a male, swims like a male. And they discover they, they're in second place. Suddenly the, the best top biological female is shorted out of her opportunity to be able to win and get scholarships, et cetera. Uh, and this isn't hypothetical. It's, it's real and it's really happening. But what is the potential effect, um, Catherine, of radical laws being passed in blue states on neighboring states, red states that are not as radical, like Idaho? What, what's the impact that you could see taking place there?
3: Yeah, this is a big issue here, Brad. Um, so we neighbor Washington state, which as as you know, I believe you've spoken about this already um, here. The, Washington just passed a law similar to California's, which would allow the state to actually take temporary custody of, of minor children coming from other states for the purposes of them receiving, quote, gender affirming care, receiving hormone treatments, what have you. And that's a problem for states like like my state of Idaho that has recently passed an opposite law saying that providing those treatments is actually now a crime in Idaho. So it's it's an issue that people in Idaho need to be aware of that these children can be taken into Washington and certainly this can cause a whole lot of chaos. And there's there's so many issues that can arise from this. And it could be absolutely devastating, potentially, for Idaho families that, that are caught up in this. And this is not Washington alone, as you know. Other states are doing things like this, passing laws like this, that just truly have absolutely no respect for the laws and positions of other states. And I think we're going to see a lot of chaos resulting from it.
1: So this is now the law in California. It's also now the law in Washington State that uh, someone can kidnap a child, say in Idaho, and they can uh, take the child to Washington State and they won't be prosecuted if the reason they kidnapped the child was to promote gender confusion. They say gender-affirming care. No, it's gender confusion is what they're promoting. Um, And the child is taken for the purpose of being injected with hormones, may have body parts cut off. If that's the reason the person kidnapped the child was to have the child masochistically treated uh, and abused, then it's okay. We'll we'll let them off. But if someone kidnaps a child from Idaho and the purpose was whatever, to have them uh, join the circus or something else, (laughs) they'll be prosecuted. But if it's to masochistically treat the, the child and Cut off body parts uh, so they can "quote unquote" change the child's perception and encourage the dysphoria, they encourage the confusion. They're off the hook. That's that's. Have I over, overly simplified this? This law in Washington and in California is the same.
3: No, Brad, you're you're exactly right. This is this is terrible for neighboring states, and and parents sh- rightfully should be very concerned about this. And and of course, this is a slippery slope. You know, what's next? What else can Children be kidnapped for and taken to other states, and these laws actually say that they will not cooperate with a child's home state. And 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 Brad, as you know, there there are constitutional problems with that, uh, but it 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 absolutely could lead to the trafficking of children to these states, such as Washington and California, that are doing this, and it's it's horrible.
1: Yeah, it it, it is horrible, and uh, it's also unconstitutional. Uh, there several constitutional problems with this legislation, isn't there? Uh, Catherine, I just want to thank you for what you're doing uh, there in Idaho. And I think it's a real good observation uh, that these laws in other states, Washington, California, on their face, they could impact any family anywhere in the United States. And we need to be able to challenge that. We need parents if they feel any kind of threat in this regard of losing their child, a child being uh, taken by someone, maybe an estranged spouse that no longer has legal custody for the purpose of, of uh, victimizing their child like this in, in California, Washington, they should contact PJI immediately, PGI, uh, pji.org, pji.org. Catherine, thank you once again for your work. really appreciate it.
0: We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you.
1: So folks, just remember... It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.